It all comes back to the spiral, eventually, twisting and turning. This village has become a labyrinth of rubble and contorted bodies lining the streets. There's nowhere left to go and no escape. All routes out lead back here. Why is this happening? What is the source? What does it all mean? The lighthouse? The pregnant women? The snails? That's probably the worst part. The only thing that makes any sense anymore is the spiral. Twisting and turning and twisting and turning and twisting and turning. I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Look at me, Damien. This is Podcast of the Dead, the podcast about all things horror-related. I'm Zach Palmer. Sitting next to me is Isaac Wright. Uh, and joining us from the void, <laughs> the deep void, <laughs> is Chrissy Beetle. All right, lads. They're, they're still part of the EU right now. They're not the void yet. They're about to be. Oh, boy. They're about to be cut off from the global market. No more Brexit drugs. <laughs> March 29th. March 29th, lads. I thought we talked about this, Isaac. You have disappointed me on every level. Okay. Fine. <laughs> uh, so this episode is going to be kind of weird. It's uh, different. We're not talking about a movie, which is weird. Uh, we're talking about a dude. Uh, <laughs> Just a dude. <laughs> talking about a dude. But before we get to that, uh, let's talk about horror news. That'll sound weird with the reverb on it. It's going to sound strange. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah. out the bat, we have <laughs> s- some trailers. Some? Yeah. This Only is mostly few? trailers. This, this whole thing's yeah. mostly trailers. There's so many trailers. Um, There's a lot of them that dropped this week, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> we have to talk about the Pet Cemetery trailer. Uh, yeah. So Not everyone's stoked on it, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Chrissy hates it. <laughs> I, I, I don't like the fact they have fucked around with the story. Really? I am very disappointed in that because I thought after the success of It, maybe they would try and at least stick to the story the same way It did. But no. No, fuck you. Why would they no. do that? Uh, well, I mean, no. if it's any consolation, apparently, uh, I read this on, I think, Red Central, that Stephen King did release a tweet and he did say that it is a scary movie, that he apparently is pleased with it. So it's got his... Yeah seal of approval but so did maximum overdrive so we don't know what we're in for <laughs> you made maximum overdrive yeah, yeah, yeah. are you gonna fucking sit there and tell me maximum overdrive was not a masterpiece yeah, you're gonna really I... look me in the face and say you know maximum overdrive wasn't that great i mean but... mighty ducks was better I had, a, I had a conversation actually about maximum overdrive really <laughs> oh no yeah but no basically to me and you're still Me-ha. here me personally, 
to to quote the the Red Letter Media guys, I find the Pet Cemetery trailer quite disappointing. Okay. But not as disappointing as the Child's Play trailer. Oh God, yeah, Child's Play trailer. So we finally got a trailer for that that Child's Play movie that is supposed to be defective AI, and I hate <sighs> yeah, it. Yeah, I don't like it. Shit. It looks so fucking boring. I'm sad about it, because like I said, I, I felt like they could have redone Child's Play really, really well if they wanted to, but they strayed Acting, a little bit too far. And, and I said this, I think, a couple episodes ago, don't make a trailer over a minute 30. Don't do it. Because <laughs> um, it's too long. Yeah. Stop making your trailers so fucking long. Now, the thing that they did at least do right is they didn't have Chucky talking, uh, yeah, they didn't actually. Fuck. They didn't actually have him doing anything in the trailer. It was all just kind of like inferring, uh, which is kind of like why the first Child's Play worked. Anyway. Oh yeah, the first Child's Play is perfect for that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That see that first scene in in the first Child's Play where he where he turns around and he says something for the first time. You're just like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like the idea with. The, with this Charles trailer, that Chucky basic that this AI Chucky can basically build fucking saw traps. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was so no, like that part. No. So fucking dumb. No, and the kid isn't even as cute as Alex Vincent was. Like, that's hard. To, that's hard to do. Uh, Be as hard. cute as the kid from the first Charles Play. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> that's, hard, that's to hard to do. It's hard to do. I don't, I don't know. Anakin pulled it off pretty well. No. Original Anakin. <laughs> no. No. That kid doesn't even act anymore. No. He he's was in, like He's in an asylum or something. He got sectioned. He mm. has many... Poor Jake Lloyd. He has many mental health problems caused by George Lucas. Yeah. Oh. Just because, like, people just hated him in that movie. That's yeah. sad. I'm sorry I brought him up then. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I made I made myself sad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I made myself sad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Child's Play trailer not promising. Uh, oh, but you know what is promising? The three mini trailers that were released for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yeah, this looks. That's because Del Toro's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm, true. Well, <laughs> garbage. Del not Toro. A hack. Del Toro is the patron saint of all things awesome. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i love that they've got all of the even like they've got all of the uh, people all of the art all of the monsters so close to brett hellquest's yeah look Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they all look pretty much exactly right which is really, I mean, that, that's what you want from yeah. an, an adaptation of yeah. Scary Stories. Yeah, you want and, everything I mean, to look on point. To do that artwork in 3D must have been really difficult. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She's so just like, oh, there's kind of lines here. Uh, you know? <laughs> Mostly it's just watercoloring smatterings, yeah. you know? But if anyone but, could pull it off, it's Del Toro. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, he did. So. Very excited about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on my end, uh, I think. If you watched the Super Bowl, then you saw the Twilight Zone teaser trailer that apparently made some people shit their pants or whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm just super fucking stoked about it because it looks amazing. Jordan Peele's amazing. He has, like, the best voice for a Twilight Zone announcer. Yes. Like, it's spot on. He just does it so well. He has all the right intonations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Mm. Oh, man, I'm so excited. He and nails they, it. They even throw in a scary door in it. I love that they acknowledge <laughs> the scary door in the new Twilight Zone trailer. <laughs> uh, yeah. The spooky Oh, door. but yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, but yeah, so I'm really looking forward to new uh, Twilight Zone. Unfortunately, it looks... Are they doing that the same way they do? They did Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, where they're releasing it only on the CBS app? Or is it actually going to be aired? Do we know? I think it might be aired, but okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll have to do some research into that and let y'all know, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I'm super excited about it one way or the other. Jordan Peele has become, like, the new horror icon. Absolutely, and I yeah. I fucking he's, love it. He's fucking brilliant. Yeah, and the new the new poster for us just dropped, and man, I love the fucking trailer for us. Yeah, it's so good. I'm really excited about that. Fucking yeah, Jordan Peele has just become the new like horror guy. The trailer for, a while. for the uh, <laughs> the poster for us is genius. Is it really? It's yeah. it's impeccably made. Man, and um, on our Facebook page if you want to have a look. <laughs> Self promotion. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I'm super stoked on that. I can't wait. Do we know when us comes out? I can't um, remember off the top of my we head. We announced it at some point. Yeah, I think it's like, <laughs> it's summer, isn't it? I think. Okay, that, that would make sense. That sounds right. All right, so let's go with that. When it's hot outside, it's gonna be scary in the movie theater. I don't know. That, that wasn't a real statement, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I mean, Scary Stories comes out in August, so you're not wrong. True. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. got we got a lot of ways to beat the heat but scare the shit out of yourself. Uh, if I yeah. shit in my pants, will that cool me down? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Eventually, yes, when it cools down no. from my body temperature. <laughs> also, and so by then it's probably hardened with the fucking Texas heat. <laughs> I was gonna say it mattered if it was, was it liquidy, was it solid, like what? <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> no You're shit a serious talk. Horror podcast, guys. <laughs> Another thing that I'm really excited about. I just learned this today that they're making a TV series based on um, what we do in the shadows, which is a movie uh, about vampires trying to live a modern life and things go awry. Now we get a whole fucking series of that shit on FX, and I'm stoked. It's British like, listeners will recognize Matt Berry in it. Yeah. Matt Berry is It's like great. Rocco's Modern Life, only not a cartoon and doesn't have animals. And isn't yeah. funny in, in the sense that, oh, nice, lighthearted funny. It's more, we're going to suck all your blood funny. So, I don't know. I'm happy about it. I'm excited. Uh, the show comes out on FX, and it should be coming out, I believe, uh, the 20-something-ish of March. <laughs> I don't remember. I want to say 27th, but I don't want people to hold me to that. <laughs> Do people hold us to anything? I hope not. Um, <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have standards of any kind. <laughs> Speaking of people that don't have standards... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. The, the person you're about to talk about he, has impeccable standards, and you know it. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. Good old, good old Tommy. Our Lord Just the Savior. name is a punchline. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau, our Lord and Savior, is uh, working on a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even say the sentence without laughing. <laughs> it's called Big Shark. Big Shark. God, so it's called Big Shark. I'm so excited for it. Boy, it's did good. he name the fuck out of that movie, Big Shark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't have words. It's a big shark. Shark, huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, hi, shark. <laughs> oh, hi, shark. Tearing me apart, shark. You can only imagine what this movie is going to be like, and that's really all the information we have. Yeah, we don't uh, know too much about it yet, but boy. Big Shark, it's by Tommy Wiseau. What else do you need? <laughs> what do you people want from me? <laughs> to, to come hot off the heels of Big Shark. <laughs> Night of the Living Dead is getting a West End stage play. And that does sound interesting. No one's an, no one's announced when <laughs> it's out. I know the producer, Fraser. He produced the Toxic Avenger, the musical in the UK. Ooh. And he's a really nice bloke. Excellent. He's also going to produce the Room musical. Oh, boy. Boy. Oh, wow. no. He talked to... I remember him mentioning he talked about it when I last <laughs> hung out with him. Um, but yeah, Night of the Living Dead is getting a stage play. That's going to be fucking wow. sick. I wonder if the stage play is going to have a yeah. larger budget than the film actually did. Probably. <laughs> it's yeah, pretty probably. easy to do. Yeah. Just gotta, you just got to spend um, $100. <laughs> <laughs> Red Cabin Theatrical are the company who are behind it. Okay. And... It's, yeah, it's going to come out late 2019, so if any any of our British listeners want to wanna come with and hang out with a podcast star, <laughs> please, like, just want to go... You have a high opinion please, of like, yourself, I, don't I, you? I, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, please, Me either. Just, uh... None of us do. No, really. the second you said that, I just kind of wanted to put come... my head in the sand like an ostrich and just be like, ah, no, I'm going to distance myself from everything now. <laughs> I, I live in the ground. Please, please come see <laughs> Night the Living Dead with me. I need friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. Dr. Sleep! Yes, Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining, is getting a film this year. It's supposed to be out in the States in November. Oh, shit, okay. Cool. Mike I... Flanagan, who did Haunting of Hill House, is um, uh, directing it. And he's written it. And it's going to star Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor. Yay. I am always happy about Ewan McGregor being in things. He was about the only reason I almost watched that Winnie the Pooh movie that came out, but I never did. And I still feel <laughs> sad about it. Just so I can use the Winnie the Pooh iconography to make fun of the president of China, because that's so, a thing. <laughs> does uh, does Obi Wan Kenobi have the Shining as well as the Force? Oh shit! Oh boy, shit! Ooh. Oh, maybe the Force is the Shining, and maybe that the Shining is the Force. Maybe oh, they're the same thing. Oh fuck! But I feel like yeah, what? I feel like that kid would have been throwing that tricycle around. You he know what I mean? He didn't know how to use it. He just didn't know how to use it. Yeah, yeah I guess he just didn't have enough midichlorians. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. If only Qui-Gon Jinn had been in the Shining, we would have known. I mean, Scatman Crothers is kind of the fucking, uh, uh, what's his, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn type of character in the Shining. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, He's the one that I'd dies in the Darth Maul um... battle with Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that Dick Halloran was more of the Qui-Gon Jinn. Who is Dick Halloran? I don't know, Dick Halloran, Dick Halloran the, um, the, the the bloke who tells Danny he's got the show. Yeah, that's, that, the actor's name is Scatman Crothers, correct? Is this his name? 
I'm almost positive it is. Hold on one second. I, we're not going to take time to look this up. Okay. I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will tell us. Someone will Someone. scream at the void and we might yeah. hear them. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you contact um, us, by the way, just scream into the void. Yes, please. Uh, also, uh, podcast at dead at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it took all of five news. seconds. His name is Catman Crothers. The last bit of the news is just a tad, tad bit for the property two horror punk listeners and Steven. Um, <laughs> Blood Sucking Zombies dropped an album called All These Fiendish Things and it's really good. That's about it. Yeah. I am stoked. We cover all things horror related, not just the movies. <laughs> we also cover the horror punk because they need exposure. Absolutely. Because they all live yeah. in New Jersey. <laughs> And we've already talked about how about shitty New Jersey is. Let's not shit on New Jersey for another 15 minutes, please. We did that last time. <laughs> we love New Jersey. What are you talking about? We love it because it's New shitty. Jer- New Jersey gave us the Toxic Avenger and Glenn Danzig. And again, Bon Jovi. It's Unfortunately. Not- <laughs> I'm Bruce Springsteen. Oh, okay. Never mind. We can shit on Jersey some now. <laughs> I forgot the boss was from there. <laughs> Fuck. Uh. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Podcast of the Dead. This week we're trying something a little different. This time we're not talking about a movie for the first time uh, in our uh, uh, short run so far. Uh, We're talking about a dude. (laughs) Just a dude. (laughs) A dude. His name's Junji Ito. Uh, and he is a horror manga artist that uh, is kind of making the rounds around the internet now, uh, kind of permeating uh, people's minds right now because we we were kind of trying to figure out who he is. Uh, and he is a very talented horror manga artist. Uh, he, uh, we're gonna get into his whole timeline, or at least the stuff that we read and like kind of his big stuff that he did. Uh, but he is uh, pretty great. And yeah. you should read his stuff. One of the and things you've that, probably seen his stuff around on the yeah. internet. What I was about to say is one of the things that a lot of people I think might have seen if they subscribe to like cursed images, Reddits, or like just like weird image like uh, sites. The the one that I saw most prevalently was there is a panel of a man that is covered in pimples, and there is a woman under him cowering him, and then he just squeezes all his pimples at one time, and the pus just rains down on the woman. Uh, that's Junji Ito in a nutshell. Yeah, that's, that's, that is a Junji Ito panel. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on which one. One that actually comes from uh mm. but the other one that y'all have probably seen that's pretty big is the one from uzumaki where the woman has like a spiral mm-hmm. on her face and like one of her eyes is about to like fall out essentially because it's being eaten by the spiral she that's, looks she looks like the liquid metal terminator after he gets shot in the face yes. with a shotgun that's exactly <laughs> what she looks yeah, like <laughs> that's what she looks like but that's from uzumaki that's junji ito mm. as well uh there's a lot of stuff from junji ito uh there is another one uh, where a woman's face is melting and her eyes are kind of just like drooping down. Ooh, and, yeah, and kinda, that's, that's classroom. That's from Dissolving yeah, Classroom, which panel, is also Junji Ito. That panel's fucking sweet. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is the same guy who who wrote about getting. He made a manga about when he and his at the time fiance got cats. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he's eclectic. Uh, he does mostly horror stuff, though. He, he creates some of the most beautiful and horrifying panels that you've ever seen in your whole life. And the concepts, too, are really great. Because, I mean, yeah. you were talking about Gio, which is one of his works, where everything's fish monsters that are filled with some sort of gas that yes. makes them hmm, sentient. I wonder where he got that idea from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's we'll get into it. we'll talk about each of his like main works, the ones that we that we read, and we'll talk about which ones we read in just a bit. But let's talk about uh, as as we try to do things chronolo- chronologically, uh, we're going to try and go over his influences or people he said he's been influenced by, just like we would cover the origins of a horror movie mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of see like where he got his ideas from and then kind of go into like his stuff. Because uh, we think that's probably the best way for y'all to kind of get him. This is going to be more or less a primer course. Right, I was about to say the same thing. On Junji Ito, yeah. it's not really a deep dive into his stuff or one of his particular works. Junji Ito 101. It, basically, because yeah. just 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 to let y'all know kind of where we're coming from, um, but basically what we did, we each chose basically two major works to kind of dive into and to get a taste of it. You know what I mean? So uh, all three of us haven't read everything, but the three of us collectively had have read most of the big ones. Right. So yeah. we, we we have a little bit of a basis, but a lot of this stuff y'all are gonna have to track him down and find it out for yourself. Because I mean, there's so much good stuff to to yes. look at, guys. It's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has He's he's written so much stuff, and there's a lot of adaptions of his works. Mm. Uh, there's, I mean, there's anime adaptions. There's a live action adaption of Uzumaki. Uh, so it's there's Somebody a lot of stuff. Played a bunch of Uzumaki panels. Oh, that'd be awesome! I'd be yeah. interested in finding who that is because yeah. that's great. There's just there's just so much stuff to talk about with Ito. Uh, he uh, before we do get into. Uh, yeah, like his actual stuff and him as a person. Let's talk about his influences real quick. Uh, so he obviously is influenced by a lot of different other horror manga artists in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his biggest ones uh, is uh, Kazuo Umezu, uh, who did uh, Disappearing Classroom. Uh, not, and we're going to assume a lot of people that are listening to this maybe have not read a lot of horror manga like we haven't because uh, y'all aren't huge weebs. Uh, <laughs> we are, but uh, we haven't we, read we, manga. Right. Yeah, even much. us as huge weebs have not read the a lot of the horror manga that he is influenced by and a lot of his stuff. That's why we had to read it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, but Kazuo Umezu, he did a, a most famous for a Disappearing Classroom, which is about this classroom that basically gets transported to a wasteland with a whole bunch of monsters and stuff, and, like, the kids get killed by the monsters, and it's just a wild ride. It sounds uh, fucking sick. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. a post-apocalyptic battle royale from the description, you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because Junji Ito has, like we said, he has a thing called uh, uh, Dissolving Classroom. Uh, One of his works, one of his recent works. Most recent, one of the most recent works. Yeah, Yeah. it's called Dissolving Classroom. And he he likes to mess with students a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. much, much like anime likes to talk about the life mm-hmm. of high school students yeah. a lot. He likes to talk about the the high. The, he may it may be a commentary on high school life it, 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 in some way, but yeah, he does talk about high school students a lot. Like Uzumaki uh, talks about high school students a lot and just the life of high, mm-hmm. high school students. Yeah, uh, which is yeah. it's just a prevalent thing in his work. One of the. Uh... 
Ito's other really big influences was another manga artist named Kidishi Hino. And uh, he has done a lot of the guinea pig films, which apparently are very controversial and gained a lot of notoriety, uh, both in Japan and overseas. Um, The first two, apparently the producer had to prove that no one was actually hurt or murdered in the (laughs) making of the films. Yeah, when you you said that, we kind of, we kind of drew it back to, uh, to Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, which is probably never never a movie that we're going to cover on this, by the way. We just don't. We're not, yeah, big, not big fans big fan of it. Of but it. yeah, that, that does sound like Camel Holocaust. And then another interesting thing about uh, the Guinea Pig series was that apparently one of the films in the Guinea Pig series was found in the over 5,000 videotape collection of a Japanese serial killer oh. named Tsutomu Miyazaki. Oh, that sounds like Poughkeepsie tapes. Yeah, really? it sounds similar to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe so, that's what Poughkeepsie tapes was based on. Because it does say that apparently Miyazaki, in one of his crimes, he tried to reenact a scene from one of the guinea pig films. Jesus. Wow. So like, the, wow. Hino's work apparently influenced some real shit. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> well, they even find wow. that in one of your laser disc collections. Oh god. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Damn. God, reenact a, reenact a scene of the French lieutenant's woman, please, in macabre detail. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or the English patient. Oh, no. Uh. <laughs> That's just called abducting someone that doesn't have use of their limbs for 48 hours. Hot. <laughs> and then falling in love with them. So misery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! Uh. Oh, man. Yeah. The 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 only uh, influence that 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 I took when we were looking at the influences influences were at was Lovecraft because I fuck off if I'm trying to pronounce Japanese names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did we did our due diligence, Chrissy. Gosh, <laughs> but I mean. Well, we 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 have thoughts on Lovecraft. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't we? yeah. I mean, as as most of y'all probably know, H.P. Lovecraft is kind of a problematic character. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he's a your problematic <laughs> fave. No, he's not a fave. Tumbling, <laughs> no, he's not. He, a fave. He's not a fave. He's he's definitely influential on a lot of people, yeah. but he is a problematic person. Uh, was a problematic person. He was racist, homophobic, bigoted, uh, anti-Semitic. He was. And it showed in his work, too. But, unfortunately, a lot of his work is just used in so much popular culture now, or at least uh, it has been influenced by that, because we were talking Bloodborne, Shinji Ito. Um, Everything else. Like, there's a lot... I, I feel <laughs> yeah. like a lot of Del Toro stuff has yeah. a lot of H.P. Lovecraft influences. Like, yeah. uh, he's so prevalent, but, yeah, kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah. Shitty as a person, yeah. but... I mean, he is he is highly influential. A lot of the horror stuff that we know him now is, is inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. Uh but we probably won't do an episode on him. Uh, <laughs> we just—it's everybody's covered H.P. Lovecraft too. That's the thing—is like we don't really need yeah. to cover him. Uh, it's like fuck this bastard. There are many other podcasts who who uh, <laughs> who who uh, have covered him and, and but... idolize him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has risen to a certain level of fame that not a lot of other horror authors and stuff do rise to, and it does suck yeah. that. He's a problematic mm-hmm. individual, but we are taking the time to acknowledge how influ- influential he is. So. Yeah, we would rather cover people like Juji Ito, True. who is a sweet man. <laughs> yes, bless his heart. And he loves animals. Yep. 
We were talking about the he has cat diaries, and then uh, what was the thing about the dog? Dog diaries. He does. He's also got dog. Oh, diaries, does he really? Which is like one of his more recent. <laughs> oh shit! Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no one could go wrong if they love animals. You know what I mean? Uh, most of the time, they're good people. Eh. I mean, not not always, but most of the time, if I see someone fucking adoring the shit out of a dog or a cat, I'm just like, all right, I can, I can for, chill with you. For a second, I thought you were about to say, I see somebody fucking a dog. No! <laughs> no! Uh, I am, I am opposed, that's too much love for yeah, I am animals. opposed to that level of <laughs> pet love, but... <laughs> yeah, no. Let's not go there. No. But, yeah, a little bit about Junji Ito. He is, uh... He he has cats. Uh. <laughs> we also we were also talking about and dogs. <laughs> we were also talking about how he is kind of a private person. He is one of those people that uh, mm. does like to keep his private life separate. And I can see why. If you're a horror ar- artist, you don't really want to put yourself out there too much because then th- people will look at you and look at what you write and be like, "What kind of shit do you get up to?" And <laughs> I think he just wants to distance himself, distance himself from that type of commentary. <laughs> because boy, there's some fucked up shit that happens in his manga. Boy, howdy. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so his uh, his first work uh, was uh, Tomia. Uh, and he uh, that started out as uh, he had uh, submitted something to, uh, I think it's called, and I, I'm sorry if I'm butchering this, but uh, Gekon Halloween, uh, which I guess is like a, a serialization uh like that does short stories and that sort of thing. I feel like it's like Jump or something like that. Yeah. Like Shonen Jump. It's one of yeah. the, it's one of those regularly released magazines that contains work from multiple different artists. Yeah. So he mm. he he submitted a short story essentially to that that publication and it serialized into what we we know now as Tomia. Cuz it cuz it won an award, right? Like it won like uh some best of the year award or something like that and from there they were like we want more of this. And- yeah, it won, it won an honorable mention in the Kazuo Kazuo Umezu, uh, Umezu prize. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean it's good it's good for him. He he deserve it. And especially after reading Tomia, like yeah, it was a ch- it is a very solidly constructed story. Yeah. Like, it's so good. Yeah, also another fun fact about mm. Junji Ito, apparently a lot of his, like, artwork is, like, helped along by his mother and his sister, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what yeah. in Cat. And his wife. Yeah, they do yeah, a lot of, they... the, like, the, uh, the inking and stuff like that on his yeah. panels and everything, because uh, apparently just he's not as good at that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah, apparently he was inspired by his sister, his older sister, who is also an artist, mm. like... Like, early Aww. on, he was just like, oh, she's drawing, I should draw too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, that's how that happens with good artists, you know what I mean? Like, uh, mm. just people that see other people writing and like, I think I could do that. And yeah. then they do it and they're like, oh, fuck, this is awesome. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's cool that his sister still helps him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, his stuff, I mean, his stuff looks amazing. It's just, it's so visually stunning. Like, he'll do these two-page spreads and it'll just be like the most... Like, equally gorgeous and horrifying thing you've mm-hmm. ever seen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know. It's His his artwork is, like... You, the stories are always good, but his artwork is just, like, something... It's, like, oh. leaps and bounds beyond mm-hmm. stuff you've seen The cover art for the collected works of the what he did with Frankenstein, which is what I read, the cover art was so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh... Why you why you make pretty art? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just like a lot of our other episodes, this will have spoilers. 
uh, when we're talking yeah. about kind of the story elements, because we're going to do, we're kind of going to describe the works, like his timeline of works and like some of his bigger works. And we're going to talk about some of the story elements in it. So just to let you know, because especially on this one, because we know probably a lot of you have not read this stuff. Uh, we some do, of you don't even know who he is. Right, exactly. So we just want to say that now that we are going to talk about some story stuff. So we are going to have some spoilers, uh, but it's all good shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. This is like the one of the first episodes where we've had to do that, and people haven't looked in the source material. Right, exactly. Last episode, Friday the Thirteenth. If you haven't seen it, you, yeah. Well, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's good. This is the first episode where we are really sticking to the all things horror uh, tagline. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. not not just a movie this time, guys. Got to do some actual reading. No, people out there probably don't like reading. I know I don't, but <laughs> you got you got to do a little bit sometimes. No, the thing <laughs> is, is like the volumes of his works are really easy to read because you're really just kind of looking at the gorgeous artwork more than you are reading. Because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of it's in between panels where like action is happening and that sort of stuff. So it's not so much reading. It depends on which one it is, mm-hmm. of course. But if you're reading, like, if you read the ones that I read, which is Uzumaki Gyo, then it's mostly just uh, panels of, you know, fish monsters flying by your head. Uh, <laughs> See, uh, 50% of Dissolving Classroom is just a man apologizing. <laughs> they explain they explain around why that's terrifying, but that's all it really is. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's get into his work. And Frankenstein is um, obvious. <laughs> yeah. It's about Frankenstein. It's about a boy and his dog, right? okay so let's get into his worst we're gonna start with what we think is the biggest one which is uzumaki Mm. now uzumaki is um it's kind of complicated but it's not complicated at all but it is complicated (laughs) it so it's about spirals Mm. uh it's about the so basically junji kind of got obsessed with the idea of the spiral and how uh, in many ways it's kind of portrayed as like a uh, like a positive thing in popular culture. He wanted to kind of take that and turn it on its head and make it horrifying. <laughs> so, yeah, so Uzumaki is more or less like, how can I make spirals the most terrifying thing you've ever seen in your life? And he does this in a lot of ways. He the, So when he was basically researching, he researched spirals. <laughs> he researched the idea of spirals. <laughs> he read, like, basically mathematicians' books on spirals yeah. and kind of, like, the theory of spirals. He raised snails. <laughs> he ate, he, like, ate yeah. only spiral foods, like the little spiral fish cakes that come in ramen. Like, he ate those and no, then, like... No, no cinnamon buns? No, no cinnamon rolls? He might have. <laughs> he very well might have. <laughs> But swirly pasta, <laughs> yeah, corkscrew pasta. But oh wait, uh, no, I'm thinking bow tie. <laughs> Shit, mm. what kind of pastas are there? The rest of the episode should have to be talking about pasta. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there is a lot of stuff that happens in Uzumaki. But basically, the main thread that is tying it all together is it's about this village in Japan called uh, Kurozucho. Uh, and it focuses on this uh, high school teenager called Kyrie uh, Goshima, uh, and basically just this the stuff that happens in this village, uh, and where it's focused on spirals. So it starts out with uh, uh, she has a boyfriend named Shuichi, uh, yeah Shuichi, um, who <laughs> whose dad becomes obsessed with spirals. He starts collecting a whole bunch of stuff that's like spiral shaped and all that sort of stuff, and is just sitting there, just staring at it all day. 
and he just his eyes start kind of spiraling around because mm. he's just so obsessed That's with the idea. Uh, Kyrie's dad is a potter. Uh, and uh, Shuichi's dad, who's obsessed with spirals, uh, commissions a spiral bowl from Kyrie's dad, and nice. because he sees him working on the potter's wheel and said, "Oh, that's like the the ceramics is the art of the spiral because it's spinning around, you know that kind of thing." So he commissions this work for him. Uh, meanwhile, Shuichi's mother is getting very fed up. Uh, and throws out uh, his dad's whole spiral collection. And he gets up, oh, no. he gets upset, uh, but then suddenly he's serene. He's just like, "Okay, you're right, you're right. I was getting too obsessed. He hadn't gone to work in a few days, uh, so uh, basically later he orders this like round box, uh, and he stuffs himself into the box." And basically, he, like, makes himself into a spiral and, like, crunches his bones in the process, like, to fit into this, like, little circular case. And that's how they find him, and he dies. Well, they—supposedly he dies, but they say that they hear him still, like, making noise and talking about the spiral and everything. And when when they cremate his body, it makes a black spiral of smoke that— then gets sucked into the nearby pond, which is called Dragonfly Pond. Uh, and basically, this is a theme that that co- goes throughout the whole series. So basically, uh, his uh, Shuichi's mom has kind of the opposite thing. She does not want to know anything about spirals. She doesn't want to <laughs> see a spiral. And she basically, he, she gets committed. And because she's going insane because of this whole thing, she can still hear... Uh, her husband just talk about spirals and so so she tries to to eliminate everything spiral from her from her world and then she learns that there is a spiral shape in the ear canal that's like it's part of like your ear the inner structure ear. essentially yeah. yeah and she cuts her ears off and she like basically sticks like scissors in her ear and she bleeds out and bleeds to death and then when Sick. and then when she's cremated same thing happens black spiral smoke uh, and it goes into Dragonfly Pond. So I'm, I'm just kind of like trying to get through the intro because, and then I can kind of like skim through the rest of it uh, because <laughs> there's so like, much shit that I was about to say, This is like a 20 volume long. It's 20 volumes. Yeah. Well, technically it's 19 volumes because technically the main story ends on the 19th volume. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so then that happens. And then Curious uh, dad, who's the potter, starts making this really twisted looking ceramic stuff. Uh, and basically, they learn that he's been using the the mud from Dragonfly Pond to make ceramics, and that contains mm-hmm. the ashes of people who have died. Yeah, it's like essentially create contains their souls, and then yeah. they warp everything that he makes exactly. afterwards. Well, yeah. they, they look normal when he puts them in, but when he fires it, that's when the, the oh, shit hits the fan. Okay. So basically, Kyrie like goes into the kiln one day and sees the fire happening, and the fire has like the faces of these people's souls in it. That's fucking and she so like, like Freddy's stomach, but exactly, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just like that, and and she kicks it open and like destroys the kiln, and all that like the souls escape Ooh. and stuff, and then just crazy shit happens. So basically, this cycle of things keeps happening, uh, in in where there's uh, a whole bunch of spiral thing or themed things that happen in this village. Like there's uh, the like in the middle of the volumes, uh, Kyrie's ha- hair starts growing longer and starts spiraling around, and then it just grows up and out, 
and it like is drawing people's attention. No. And then it becomes sentient, <laughs> like it's like making her tired, and it's like drawing her life force energy. Ooh. And one of her classmates, who is uh, very jealous that she is getting all of this attention, also starts growing really long hair. They have a hair mm-hmm. fight. Uh, their, their hair starts fighting each other. The other girl wins, uh, and Kyrie uh, basically uh, cuts her hair off. Uh, and then this other girl is like walking down the street with her entourage after winning the fight, the hair fight. And then her hair just gets longer and longer and more extravagant and then basically sucks the life out of her. And then she just becomes a husk on the street. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a Yukiko's stand from part four. Yeah, it's, it's literally a hair stand. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's it's kind of there. I mean, you kind of see like where some influences come from, and you see where other people mm. are influenced by all this sort of stuff. It's just crazy shit that happens. And then one of the weirdest ones to me is like people start becoming snail people. <laughs> That's amazing. They, they start. Why, be- fuck it. Why not? Yeah, they start, they start becoming snail people, and that's just like a side thing. It's like, oh yeah, there's snail people now. That's just a thing that happens. And then, <laughs> and then the, the this village, like in the later volumes, the village starts being attacked by a series of hurricanes and just gets destroyed. Except for some row houses, these old row houses that have been standing there for for ages, they mm. don't get destroyed for whatever reason. They're not getting destroyed by this whole thing. Uh, so everybody crams into these row houses because the rest of the city is rubble. It's it's in, uninhabitable. And apparently, like, the air pressure is so fucked up now in the city that people, whenever they make loud noises or they move too fast, it makes these huge wind currents. Mm. And now people, like, people eventually learn to ride twisters from, like, this power. And there's, like, these twister-riding gangs that, like, terrorize the city after all this rubble happens. <laughs> that, hands down, is the coolest shit in the whole book. Oh, from it's what so you told me, that sounds <laughs> Fucking sweet as hell. It's so good. Just uh, ro- sick biker ro- vests. Yeah, roll up on a fucking Harley Davidson biker gang on your twisters, throwing cows around, and should be like, "Hey guys, what's up? You want rumble?" <laughs> I, I'm not, not going to go all the way to the end to ha- tell you what happens at the end because the end is holy shit crazy. Like, <laughs> uh, but basically, that's that's like where it leads. It goes from like normal, like regular small stuff to like the whole city in ruins and like twister gangs riding around. Mm. Like it's it's insane. But so there's a lot of spiral imagery in it. A lot of the way everything is organized is spiral imagery. Mm. A lot of the language is spiral imagery. Like it's got me spinning or that's oh, twisted that's cool. or it's, you know, it's kind of like that sort of stuff. So nice. he like makes it spiral themed in every way. Oh, and I didn't even talk about the pregnant women that drink blood, but there's, okay. yeah, there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole thing there. That's not a normal thing. I don't think it's just a regular thing. Yeah, got, yeah, you got to keep your baby's blood uh, just filled yeah. constantly by drinking more blood. That's, yeah. that's how pregnancy that, works. That whole thing, there's, <laughs> that whole storyline in Uzumaki is fucking the most disturbing part of the whole thing. Wow. There's like pregnant women that like drill holes into people's bodies and drink their blood, and then just the babies tap- that are born are like, yeah, I don't yeah, know. They, they just tap the keg. You, 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 just, you just screw in a tap to somebody's ankle and you just go to town. So that that's probably, that's a summarization in a very basic sense of Junji Ito's biggest work. And there's a lot of stuff that I didn't even cover with it, but there's there's so much stuff and it's so good. Yeah. You guys should read it. It's so and fucking good. So just to give, a, give ourselves kind of an idea of when all this stuff happened. So Uzumaki, what year did we say that was? That was 98. Okay, so that was like his second big one, right? 
Yes. Because Tomie started, and the, the original yeah. story was serialized, or the original story was released in 87, and was then serialized from there. So Tomie is the first thing that he came out with. And then we got Uzumaki, and then we have Gyo, which is fish, fish monsters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that dropped in 2001. So it's the shadow yeah. of Rinsmuth, but manga. <laughs> uh, kind of, yeah. Um, well, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. It actually is very much that HP uh, Lovecraft story, but... Oh, Dave, did Lovecraft Dave, have a very similar Dave story Dagon, to that? Yeah, with Dagon with the Fish Dagon. God. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where yeah. Day on the Fish God came from was uh, Shadow Over Innsmouth. Uh, and F- Shadow Over Innsmouth is about, like, kind of a Dagon cult that, like, exists within this town. And mm. I don't know. It's it's not quite like that because Gyo is about, like, Japanese military experimentation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It goes a little bit differently. Yeah. Gyo turns into... A lot of uh, a lot of uh, Junji Ito's stories turn into, like, apocalypse, essentially. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and I think we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> Fallout, the Junji Ito edition. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then the weird thing is, right after Gyo... He writes Cat Diary, which isn't even well, scary. It's not right after Gio. Well, because Gio is two thousand one, and Cat Diary is two thousand nine. True. So. Mm. The next big work that came out was Cat Diary, which is more or less a lighthearted diary of him getting a cat that he thinks is spooky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, y'all the, both read Cat leave Diary. The, leave the accursed cat alone. He's a good oh. boy. Well, I just like, yeah, no, the cat is 100% chill the whole time. He's the one that freaks out about it. The cat's just like, I'm a cat. I'm going to do cat things now. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. Like, it's weird because he has a lot of, he'll do a lot of horrifying things, but then he'll, like, have some, like, cute stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so nice. It's really refreshing. And uh, I think that's, I think that's a theme for manga writers, because even in, like they break off from their main stint a lot to right. do other things. Like like you see in manga and with animes that have been created from manga, they always have like those in caps or whatever that's like a totally different story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like and, a little one off. Junji Ito does that a lot too. Yeah, exactly. At the end of Gio, he has like these two like side stories that are really yeah. good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dissolving Classroom has a couple too. Yeah. So uh Frankenstein as well. Really? Mm. In Dissolving Classroom, they definitely are horror-related. <laughs> Sometimes they break off and do things that are totally different. Dissolving Classrooms ones are on point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Gyo ones are really good, too. It's a There's there's that one that I told you about that's with the... Uh, there was, like, an earthquake, and then there was, like, this fault line mm-hmm. or cliffside yeah, that yeah. was exposed that had, like, people-shaped holes in it. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then there was one, there was one, it was like, it was like not even that many pages, it was like four or five pages where a guy just gets stuck under like the principal, like, uh, foundation pole in his house. Oh no. And like, you're so confused at how he got there, but it's never explained. But I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, the, the side story for Frankenstein is, um, is about like this schoolgirl who lives in a dissolved, like, a decaying house and like things haunt her. And then he Ooh. also does, some of his chapters of Dog Diary with his dog. <laughs> That's great. It's... Fuck it, why not? He loves animals. He yeah. does. And so you were talking about Frankenstein. Yeah. And Frankenstein came out in 2014, apparently the same year as the Snow White, uh, the short story that he did of Snow White. Yeah. Both yeah. of those came out in 2014. And it's interesting that he was kind of going back to older literature and kind of trying to put his own spin on it at that point in time. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Why don't, so, you, why don't you drop us some knowledge on that? Because you read those too. Yeah, I read, <laughs> I read those in Cat Diary because I fucking love cats. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> As everyone knows. Um, Loki! The Snow White comes from a Grimm's fairy tale manga that he was asked to do. Like, everyone took a specific story. He took Snow White. And it's really fun cool. Because he kind of makes it his own. And the seven dwarves, uh, they're fucking ghosts. Oh, keep, that's fucking cool. Reanimating her dead body every time the queen kills her. And then Wow, hell yeah. And then they <laughs> set the queen on fire. Awesome. That's better than the Snow White that I know. Fuck it. Disney, get on your shit better. <laughs> <laughs> fucking I need a Disney a Ginger Edo Snow White. Because they, oh, God. <laughs> Because the Queen basically after she's been resurrected like a bunch of times by these ghosts. She sets the body on fire, like, no, stop coming back, I'm prettier than you. Oh, and then, shit, okay. And then, um, the, the ghosts of the Seven Dwarves set the Queen on fire. Awesome, <laughs> I enjoy sick. it. I am down. It's brutal. It's, um, it's quite a short one, but it's, it's really good. It, it's, a, and then you... it's a really sweet one. And then Frankenstein... It's just an adaptation of Frankenstein. Like, is there like a big spin on it that he does, or it's not just really? Like it was pretty faithful. Yeah, that was. It was pretty faithful. It wasn't too far off, really. It was just him doing pretty art, and the way that he made Frankenstein look as in Frankenstein's monster was really creepy in his way. <laughs> yeah. I- I don't know this for sure, obviously, but I feel like doing Frankenstein was probably a passion project for him. He was probably like, yeah. I love this book. I'm a horror writer. Every horror writer, you know, is going to take something from Frankenstein. Yeah. And then he honestly, I have the feeling, again, this is just my, my take on it. I have the feeling that he just wanted to reproduce it in his own style as faithful as as faithfully as he could. You know what I yeah. mean? Just because this is a quintessential horror st- story, and I'm going to write it. Yeah, you couldn't, I don't think he could really go far from Frankenstein in that sense without mm, people maybe yeah. kicking off. Because, you know, e- even even some people, when they do adaptations and change things, you know... <laughs> You're still pissed off about Pet Cemetery, aren't you? you know... Sometimes and- you can't fuck with a piece... And Ito's probably smart enough to know that. Sometimes yeah. dead is better. Sometimes not fucking with something is better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes not fucking with something is better. <laughs> 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 and then finally, uh, most recent work, I think, uh, the most recent that came out in 2017 was Dissolving Classroom. And uh, that pretty much brings us up to date about like most of his... Yeah. Ma- mangaology? Yeah. Mangaology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that sounds more like the study of Mongolia. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> mangaology. Yeah. I said mangaology, not mangaology. Yeah. I was trying to simplify, but I made it worse. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that was his most recent thing, but Dissolving Classrooms pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, dis- describe that. That one to us a little. Oh, dissolve a classroom is fucking sweet. Uh, fucking <laughs> the gist of it is there is a young man who, in his youth, takes to sacrificing small animals to Satan, and uh, as a result, 
he does come into contact with Satan. <laughs> Satan corrupts his little sister and makes her just a hell child. And all sorts of weird shit starts happening around him. So he compulsively, compulsively apologizes to everyone everywhere he goes. Same. But he's not actually... Yeah, no, and I had that same character trait. I apologize yeah, a I lot. I think we all do that. So this, this hit me kind of hard. But it turns out he's not really apologizing to the people that he's with. He's actually talking to Satan every time he apologizes, or every time he uh, compliments anyone. He's not complimenting that person. He's complimenting the devil. That's fucking metal. Yeah, yeah. and as a result, his communication with the devil causes his brainwaves to do strange things, and anyone caught in between the brainwaves that he has and the brainwaves that the devil's receiving get melted to shit. But anyway, so yeah, no, it's about this guy that seriously, he just apologizes to everyone, or conversely... If he's in a kind of a relationship with a woman, compliments her over and over because he's actually complimenting Satan. And those compliments or those apologies are the method by which he melts the fuck out of them. Nice. That's such a wild, that's such a wild concept. It really is. And then his sister is always there to run up on the person that he's tormenting and be like, oh shit, you in bed with a devil worshiper. You fucked up. <laughs> oh, is that the crazy looking girl? Yes, that? that's okay. his sister. Okay. She is basically possessed by the devil. Fucking and awesome. <laughs> he just, my, I think one of my favorite things is that basically one series is, uh, he moves into this new apartment and all the tenants of the apartment just hear domestic violence every night. They hear his parents kicking the shit out of him and being like, you fucking worthless piece of shit. You are a goddamn, you know, of uh, asshole, blah, blah, blah. And all he's saying is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It turns out he fucking has already killed his parents. And he keeps resurrecting them over and over again. Just to kill them? Just to just melt, melt them, them again. Oh, wow. And they're conscious of it, too. They ask the neighbors when they come to the house, like, what do you want? Do you want to come to hell with us? I, and it's just like, whoa! I need to read this one. I know. Oh, yeah. it's, it's so good. I highly recommend it that's to anyone. One, that's one we have a physical copy of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I can send it to you. Hell yeah. Oh, oh, I'll read it next time I visit, because I know that next time yeah. I come over, we'll come up and see you guys. Oh, but yeah, but so that's a pretty good summary of the, the biggest works by Jinji Ito, I yeah. feel. Oh, I do want to talk Frankenstein about... Frankenstein melting shit and spirals. <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk about Gyo real quick, because Gyo is so good. Uh, and <laughs> Gyo starts out about fish monsters and then becomes the apocalypse. Uh, so it's... It's like basically like these fishes, these fish start coming onto land with like spider legs on them. Nice. Uh, and, and basically it spirals into, OK, this was kind of a failed experiment by the Japanese military to like they created this bacteria that like made uh, animals really gaseous. <laughs> but they so and it was like a, it was like chemical warfare to like you would like put them out into the enemy lines and they would like gas out the fart up a storm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and smell like death. They called it the death stench, oh but they, it, it degraded their nervous systems too fast. So they put them on these like walkers to like go out there and like, they would just be tied to the walkers expelling gas, but the gas would also drive the walker. Uh, so they, they, this was a thing that they never implemented, but the battleship that had all like the test subjects on it sank. And then basically these microbes, like, took the 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 bacteria from that experiment and like made like biomechanical walkers essentially and yeah, they like neat. attach themselves to fish so basically the fish are dead 
because they're on land and they're not mm. drinking water. Oh, God. Uh, and they're like these dead bodies just on these blockers that are going around <laughs> terrorizing civilization. Uh, and basically, like, the death stench ends up having, like, a mind of its own and all that sort of stuff. And then it, like, ends in, like, everybody getting, like, mm. assimilated, essentially, yeah. except for people who are immune to it, which is the main characters immune to it. Mm. It's just, it turns into fucking yeah, that chaos. fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Guillaume. <laughs> Fish so, farts! Uh, Fish farts! And the one thing that I will say, now that we've all heard kind of like, you know, what some of the main things are about, uh, he doesn't have a super main theme that he explores in every one, but he right. explores a single theme in each work mm. really well. Yeah, he'll, he'll like, explore the shit out of one thing. Mm, yeah. 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 Like, Tomie, Tomie is kind of a collection of vignettes that are all kind of connected. Like, some of the characters stay the same, and it feels like it's a chronology of events. But Tomie is about this girl who's kind of immortal, and just the way she acts and the way she talks and just something about her drives people insane and want to kill her, usually by <laughs> means of dismemberment. Um, in, in Tomie, very much the theme is about she's basically like a vixen. You know what I mean? Yeah. She basically seduces mm -hmm. people, and she gets them to either do her bidding or fall in love with her or whatever. Not unlike myself. <laughs> Dolls. But, but uh, she just, she puts these people into that mindset of doing everything for her and then pushes them away in such a traumatic way that makes them want to murder her. But then the pieces that are dismembered then are like lizard's tails. What? And they just grow new Tomies. And nice. then every Tomie hates each other. <laughs> and they try to get the other people that they latch onto to kill the previous Tomie. Oh, because wow. it's kind of like a Highlander thing where there can be only one. Like, <laughs> I can... one Tomie. <laughs> no, Tomie is wild. And like it was really that was like his first one. And just you can see the the in the first volume, it's a very early concept, but he goes off the rails with it in the second one, and there's a lot of un to unpack with that one. But that, like I said, it, it's very much a variation on, on one theme of just, um, like I said, being a vixen, just hyper femininity for the for the for the sense of luring the opposite sex or enticing yeah. other people to doing what you want, and just that it, it, it examines that kind of trope. Yeah. One, one of the themes, I think, is, it's not really a theme, but it's just, like, he likes to use high school kids or, like, high school-aged people. Mm. I think that's just because that's, like, his target audience, pretty much. True. But uh, that's, yeah. I mean, like, Uzumaki, Tomie, a Dissolving Classroom, uh, Gyo, those are all, like, either high school kids or high school-aged people, mm -hmm. you know? And we were talking about how he does like to use a lot, a lot of those stock anime type things or stock manga like situations yeah. you know yeah. what I mean um, but and, then like turn them on their head exactly because yeah. yeah and Tomie one of the big ones is this girl who is making money off of selling candid photographs of the attractive people at the school and selling them off for a lot of money yeah. and, and then Tomie is the le leader of like the ethics committee and come down, comes down hard on her and then it just goes out of control from there that's definitely uh, an idea that I've seen explored in other anime and other manga and stuff mm -hmm. so yeah he takes these situations that are very familiar to anyone that reads a lot of manga you know a regular jump reader would look at this and be like oh I kind of know where this is going and then you don't <laughs> yeah. so a regular Japanese nerd 
Well, a regular. Well, Japanese. I, I think a, a, the manga culture over there. I think a lot of people read manga. It's not just nerds. Yeah. It's not just otaku that read manga. Everyone likes to read manga because it's just like us over here. We love to read comic books. Even if yes. you're not a big comic book nerd, you see one Avengers movie and like, I want to know more about Thor. You know what I mean? So you pick up a comic book here and there. Mm. So I think it's the same culture, but just with manga. And over here, that's just seen as inherently nerdy. Over there, it's just like, this is just a book that I bought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah, it's just like any graphic novel over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although yeah. I think Ito is more for the nerd uh, oh. subcult- subculture. Yeah. Because. Mm-hmm. Very true. Most, like, I think the best selling types of manga in Japan are the stuff like Magical Girls and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Fa- so. More fantasy shit rather mm-hmm. yeah. than spooky shit. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, other than, like, using high school-aged people, mm. I, it's hard to pinpoint because his stuff is so eclectic and he does cover a lot of different things. He does, like we said, he kind of, like, takes an idea to, the like, the ultimate mm-hmm. possibility, yeah. essentially. But he'll also, it, a lot of his stuff ends in, like, apocalypse or, like, basically apocalypse. Yeah, that yeah. is very true. Like, Uzumaki, basically, I, it's... Not, I'm like I said, I'm not going to give away too much about it, but it's basically the apocalypse. Gyo is the apocalypse. Dissolving classroom is basically right before the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody melts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, it yeah. seems that he uses a lot of sort of elements of Japanese society, hence mm-hmm. why a lot of a lot of apocalyptic scenarios. It seems like mm-hmm. he's like using it to criticize Japanese society. Yeah, maybe in a way that is a, kind of a commentary on the society as a whole. Uh, just, I mean, he he definitely has something to say about society. I think that's part of the thing about the row houses in Uzumaki, because uh, row houses is normally where, like, the lower class people stay. Mm. That's why they're, like, pieces of shit. But they're the only ones that are standing, mm. you know? Those they're, like-, like, after all the hurricanes, like, the row houses are the only things that actually withstood the test of time. Those you know? are, like, the strongest people. Yeah. Like, they have the yeah. strongest fortitude, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. the ones that... You know, we're just day to day trying to keep up with our shit. I don't know what everyone else is doing <laughs> <Yeah>. out there, but <laughs> exactly, yeah, mm. yeah. He he definitely has some commentary in some of his works for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just in and same with Uzumaki, where they're the two girls are having the the hair fight. Yeah, where it's about attention and about like yep. basically. Uh, you know, getting attention is not the most important thing because it'll, you know, it'll destroy your soul, essentially, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And see, and Dissolving Classroom is, I, I feel like, culturally, is a very Japanese story. Oh, because yeah. in, in the Japanese culture, apologizing is, is, like, you know, important. They have varying degrees of apology where you either, you can say it, you can get on the ground and kneel, or you can put your head all the way down on the ground, which symbolizes you being willing to have your head cut off because it, it's, it's like a holdover from the Warring States period. Mm. When the, like seppuku and all like you know ritual suicide or ritual or that type of thing was still big, so apology is just a big part of mainstream society. There, you know, if you do something wrong, you atone for it as to not save or as to not lose face and everything. Like as well that. as you know, so just being polite in general. That's true, exactly. Yeah, and being polite is also a very big thing. But obviously, as I've experienced, and I feel like everyone has at some point or another, over apologizing is not an ideal trait. No. You know what I mean? People will get on you about that. At least in, at least in America. No, uh, over here I'm, as well, even though yeah. England has that idea that America, for example, projects onto us of, like, the, the high society, everyone's 
polite and no, we're all fun garbage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, y'all have never driven in Texas, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you personally have never driven oh, no. in Texas, like where you get cut off by somebody and you're like, fuck you, and they're like, fuck you. You know, it's. I don't know. Oh, I, I've screamed outside a convenience store at a guy that was honking at me to get out of the way, but there was like traffic, and I'm just like, "What the fuck do you want?" He's like, "Fuck you!" I'm just like, "Fuck yourself!" and flip him off, and then everyone goes their separate ways, and you don't think about it. Again. I had a woman yell at me for crossing the street. Yeah, she's just like, "Why are you walking so slow?" I'm like, "I'm walking at a regular pace." Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, we're much more unapologetic. <laughs> yeah, near if, near if somebody shouts at you, it's usually some bloke, some blokes in like a shitty car with like rap blasting out the windows, showing oi at you out of a window <laughs> as you drive past. And you can't actually hear what they've said. Yeah, you don't you don't have to deal with the giant F three fifties rolling coal and burbling throughout the entire city. <laughs> with a sticker on the back saying "Blue oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or oh, and truck nuts. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the truck nuts. Or, oh god. Or a Mustang oh, with Mustangs. no muffler. No muffler Mustang. The straight piped Mustang. <laughs> I was pulling out of a convenience store yesterday and. And the guy just about to get on the road, there was traffic. So what he decided to do was just rev his engine continuously until he was able to actually pull out onto the road. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, oh man! But then um, cultural differences. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely so. <laughs> so I think definitely I think Jinji Ito's work. If if you if you're from Japan, if you're Japanese, I think they'll probably hit home with you a little bit more. You know what I mean? Because yeah. reading them from the states or reading them from the UK, I think we we lose a little bit of the nuance. That doesn't make mean they're not still fucking cool as shit. Right. Everything about his work is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And one thing we did want to highlight a little bit is the change in style. How the yeah. artwork has changed over time. Cause, yeah. Because. Because you read both his oldest one and his basically newest one. I know, one. yeah. And so there is a lot of difference. I mean, definitely the, the the way he presents gore, the way he presents like the theme, and the way he writes it is all very similar. But when you're looking at Tomie, Tomie, the closest thing that I can think of that the art reminds me of, it really looks a lot like City Hunter. It looks like early Loop on the Third. It looks yeah. like uh, an early, mm-hmm. early anime, early manga, definitely in that 80s he, style. He definitely takes influences mm-hmm. from, like, contemporary artists mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, at, in the time period that he's writing his right, stuff. yeah, because you look at Dissolving yeah. Classroom, then, Dissolving Classroom looks like the art that you would just find in Bleach or Kintama. Like, maybe, yeah. not, maybe not as prettied up, you know what I mean? But it still definitely has a much more contemporary style. Yeah. So he changes with the times. He, he, he's definitely evolved, and definitely for the better. Uh, like I haven't read the interim works, the, in, the the ones in between, but I feel like they're going to look a lot different than either of those ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I'm trying to work out if who was influenced by who. Yeah, he is. He's a he's a manga artist, Hirohiko Araki. He did the Weeb series that everyone loves, uh, JoJo's Adventure, musical <laughs> Weebness, which has vampires for a time, and Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that he, um, his fourth set, like of, of stories, Diamond is Unbreakable, came out after Uzumaki. So I can understand. Like I, I'm pretty sure 
he's very influenced by Uzumaki mm-hmm. in that. And they probably influenced each other to some yeah. degree, you know? Oh, no. Actually, um, Uzumaki came out afterwards. Huh. So... Could be the other way around, then. Yeah, maybe they're yeah. just playing off each other. And I, I can see how that would be a thing. Mm. I mean, that's how a lot of musical artists over here work, you know what I mean? And even comic book artists. I mean, you know, DC does something really cool, and Marvel kind of emulates it, does something very similar. Right. So, so I feel like, yeah, no, artists are aware of each other, especially if they're yeah. being published regularly. Yeah, it's not exclusive yeah. to just to just Japanese manga, but mm. yeah, you, see, you do see influences in his work by contemporary artists. Yeah. His style, like, you can tell when it's him. He's got a very distinct style. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the no, way I he draws faces is very particular. Like Barker does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the way the way he draws faces is very particular. The way he draws action is very particular. Mm-hmm. And it's... his approach to gore, I feel, is very, yes. very, like, very specifically Jinji Ito. You know yes. what I mean? I feel like if you saw a panel of anything, of any of, like, the crazy horror bits, you'll know. It's like, oh, shit, that's, mm. that's Ito right there. <laughs> right. That's my boy. <laughs> That's, That's my, my boy, boy Ito. <laughs> Why yeah. are you showing me a picture of your penis? That's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, so, Futurama. My yeah. someone, <laughs> someone out there has probably named their dick after Jim Lee. So let's face it. Oh, God. Uh, is that a spiral? It's spiraling. Yeah, yeah. Is it like a duck penis? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically that's the, the bulk of, of what we're going to cover as far as Junji. Juji Ito, because, like we said, this is just kind of a primer course. We, we don't have enough time to go over all the cool shit, yeah. guys. Uh, oh, we man. might do his works, like, individually and try and really do a deep dive mm-hmm. on some in- individual ones, especially, like, probably Uzumaki. Uzumaki seems like it has the most stuff to unpack, yeah. you know what I mean? Because yeah. the stuff about the spiral is really interesting, and I don't know, how does someone get to that point? Where they're yeah. interested in spirals that heavily? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I'd want to know, kind of, is, is that, like, a psychological thing? You know what I mean? Like, is that something that's just embedded in someone's psyche right. that's like, it draws them to that shape? Because it is a shape that appears in nature, and how yes. does nature do mm. that? There's a lot of stuff to unpack yeah, you d- there. I dive into the Fibonacci sequence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, but uh, one of the things we did want to talk about with Junji Ito is where you can find his work. True. Uh, because it's a, a lot of, with these these not like really mainstream over here manga artists, it's kind of hard to find their stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. So... A lot of his works have been republished by Viz Media uh, in collections. Like, there's a Tom- Tomia collection, there's mm-hmm. Nuzumaki collection. Uh, a lot of his uh, m- more recent stuff has been published over here in the, uh, the States, like Dissolving Classroom and Cat Diary. Those have been published over here. So you can probably go to any comic book store. Or and Barnes find- & Noble's probably. Or Barnes & Noble and find mm-hmm. either the collections or some of his more recent stuff. Uh, some of his more obscure stuff, you may have to search around for it. Uh, I know that I found even his collections and stuff on thrift books. Yeah, you said thrift books was probably one of the best resources, at yeah. least in the states. I don't know if that's a site that uh, you could do if you're in the UK or yeah. not, and the shipping yeah, might be exorbitant. I, <laughs> I don't think so, but eBay. I found some of his works on eBay because okay. I received, yeah. and you can find almost anything on eBay. That's true, but you um, you may also be able to find some of his stuff in the in the books uh, bookstores over there in England because yeah, you said you said um, you found some stuff over there, right? Yeah, in my podunk little town, <laughs> I found Frankenstein. Nice, and yeah, and the manga section in our local Waterstones, which is kind of like the big bookstore over here, mm-hmm. is like it, it's it's a piece of shit. It's all like um, <laughs> stuff that appeals to twelve year old girls that are just getting into manga. <laughs> 
But... Like, like books a million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one thing I'll say, though, is the good thing is if you are trying to find Ito's work, it is really popular, and that's a two-edged sword. It means you probably yeah. will be able to find it, but it might be out of stock. Personally, yeah. that's what happened to me. I yeah. went to just our local comic book store here in Denton, Texas, mm. and they said, oh, we have that a lot. We're sold out right now, though. Yeah. Come back in, like, a week. And I went back in a week, and they did have both uh, Dissolving Classroom and Cat Diary. So, like I said, should be easy to find if you're there on the r- at the right time. Yeah. Otherwise, you might have to put your name on a list or something. Just do a little <laughs> bit of searching. It probably won't take that much effort. But, you know, it's different than trying to watch a movie because uh, books, you have to put the work into reading them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And especially manga, because you got to... It goes right to left instead of... Unless it's, uh, well, Uzumaki was left to right. Yeah, so was was, uh, the American release of Tomie. It seems like whenever they released it for uh, English audiences, it appears like they flipped the panels. I think it's like a mirrored version, and they just kind of reworded everything. Or they did the the lettering in English. They didn't for Frankenstein. They did the lettering in English, but it read... Yeah, um, it's it's weird because Gio was right to left, but yes. Uzumaki was left to right. Yeah, and I mean, um, Dissolving Classroom was also it, right it to left. It might be the publisher. Yeah, I yeah. think that that's what you'll probably yeah. encounter is that differing publications of it might even be different. Like, you might be able to find in the same store a left to right version of Tomie yeah. and then also mm. a right to left version of Tomie. Yeah. So it all depends yeah. on which edition you're getting, I guess yes. would be the best yeah. way to yeah. say it. Yeah, so... Uh, what I'm are... sure cursed places like Amazon... Bleh. Yeah, yeah, probably. But try not to give money to Bezos, people. I know know it's unavoidable sometimes, but we try to run a Bezos-free life over here at Podcast (laughs) of the Dead if we can. (laughs) Uh, That's a whole other episode talking about the horrors of Jeff Bezos. Uh, (laughs) uh, But uh, what are some of our favorite moments from Junji Ito's stuff? I got a couple. I'll let you go first, Chrissy. What you got? I, I just love all of Cat Diaries. It's entirely <laughs> relatable. There's a moment in Cat Diaries where he's trying to get um, Moo onto the bed. He's trying to get Moo onto his bed, and I I relate. I have put cat <laughs> I have put cat treats on my bed to make Loki come up, and then he'll eat them, and then he'll fuck off. Just fuck right off. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, my favorite part of Cat Diary is when he sees the cat on the foot of his wife's bed, mm-hmm. and he's like, ooh, but I want you to sleep with me. And so he puts the cat underneath his little uh, sleeping bag on his futon, and the cat stays there for a second, thinks about it, and just like, yum, 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 and then goes right back on his wife's bed. And he's just <laughs> like, mmm. <laughs> and I've had that experience with cats so many times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's Loki. Oh, man. But I guess my favorite moments... Uh, I got two. My favorite moment from Dissolving Classroom is toward the end of the book. And basically at this point in the book, uh, a reporter has found out that this guy is going around apologizing and these meltings are kind of connected. So he's like, you got to do something about this. you got to issue an, an apology, like a public apology, and explain what's going on. And then he gets this catatonic woman who half her brain was melted by her last encounter with him. He's like, oh, yeah. It's going to be good. He's going to explain himself on national television. And the art style changes in his face. And one second he's normal reporter guy, then all the color and, like, the details of his face leave. And then next panel he's just fucking Satan saying, oh, man, this is going to be a cool thing to watch. (laughs) (laughs) And she is kind of freaked out. 
And then everyone melts when he projects his apology onto every uh, TV in Japan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. I'm about it. And then my favorite scene in Tomie. It's kind of, there's this one, there's these two books, that kind of, or two volumes that are kind of connected. But anyway, the idea is Tomie was severed and murdered in the, in the one that happened before, and they kept this one girl prisoner. She wakes up, and she's like, wow, look at that corner of the room. That's where we killed Tomie. Why does the carpet have all that blood on it still? <laughs> Whatever. She leaves. Stuff happens. Eventually, they have to come back to this room, and one of Tomie's uh, followers notices it and starts hearing his name being called. And so he goes into the room with the blood, then all of a sudden... Fingers come out of the carpet, and LaFace comes out of the carpet from where all the blood was, and he's like, oh shit, Tomie! And he rips her out of the carpet, and she's still, like, connected to the floor. She's just, like, a torso that's all, like, liquidy, and they kiss. (laughs) And then, at that point, he's just like, oh man, we gotta get you out of there, Tomie, there's some sort of membrane connecting you, (laughs) and the way that this volume ends is him trying to cut her away from the floor, and it's just blood goes everywhere. It's just a big whoosh oh, of blood. Wow. And that's like the last panel. Amazing. It's so good. <laughs> uh, there is so much stuff in Uzumaki and Gyo that I could I could talk about. But actually, my favorite basically whole story that Junji Ito did that I read was actually that, that little side story at the end of Gyo with the, uh, the cliffside with the people-shaped holes. That one sounded mm. rad. Because there's, like, these uh, holes that are shaped like people, and they, basically, there is a perfect size hole for everybody in there. <laughs> and they, these people find these these holes and go into them, and then as they go through them, they get slowly twisted and contorted, because it slightly changes shape over the course of, because there's a, other holes on the side of the mountain, on the other side of the mountain, Ooh. and then they come out like these fucking horrifying twisted monsters on the other side, and just the see the ending scene of that story where you see like through the darkness one of those monsters coming through the other oh, side. Oh shit! That's like one of my favorite moments. That sounds terrifying. Oh, it's that fucking horrifying. So cool, That's it's amazing. great. I love that. Yeah, I, I actually you have that one physically, right? Or do you not? Uh, I I don't have it physically yet, but I'm definitely gonna okay, get it. Yeah, no, whenever you get it, I want to read that. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's so good. Uh, so, what are our final thoughts on Mister Ito? There's I a think... reason he's a Japanese stalwart. Yeah, I <laughs> you, mean... you say that for everything. You say, There's a reason it's a classic. There's yeah. a reason you should watch. <laughs> well, one thing we did say when we were talking about him before is uh, Ito kind of has risen to the level of almost like uh, as far as manga authors go, kind of like a Japanese Stephen King. Yeah, like he has yeah. that level of fame yeah. over in Japan. Like if you go to any bookstore, you'll find some of his shit. Unlike here, just because he's just not as much in the public like knowledge. But you I can guess. still find it relatively mm-hmm. easy. That's the thing. And mm. so he has become. His stuff is so over the top, but yet still so marketable. People eat this shit up, and there's a good reason for it. Because, I mean, it's terrifying. It's upsetting. Like, there are moments that you read it, and you're like, ah, I don't like it. Like, when <laughs> at the end of Tomie, there's two old people that gum, like, orphans that they adopt to death trying to suck their youth out of them. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's isn't fucking that just, twisted. Like, the Republican. Like the Republicans on the Congress, yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see Mitch McConnell just trying to like (laughs) suck the life out of a baby. He seems like like he's got a a crazy straw. Ooh, (laughs) it's a crazy straw. It's a crazy straw shaped like the American flag. 
<laughs> I'm going to say the crazy straw thing to suck blood out of things. That's what they're doing blood in a fucking. Uh, killer clowns from yeah, outer space. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. blood sucking zombies. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But I don't know. My final thoughts on, on Ito is that it's so. His work is so unique. That's, I think, my biggest takeaway. Yeah. You're not going to find this shit anywhere else. You yeah. know what I mean? He He very much has his own style, and you won't be able to find somebody who looks like his word yeah and the concepts are so original and just everything there's nothing like okay in the amount of time that we've been talking anyone listening has heard some shit that they didn't think that they were going to hear in a sentence you know what i mean and that's fish farts (laughs) yeah fish farts twister writing games (laughs) i mean oh man no it's so it's so good and just the wealth of originality that you'll find in his work i think you're not going to find anywhere else that's my favorite part about it. Okay. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I can. Yeah. <laughs> Off, <laughs> good. I, I, I've seen imitations of Ito in the 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 internet app, mm-hmm. the internet stratosphere. So you know, often attempted to be imitated, but never topped. Right. And I think that that's one thing that you might have to think about is that if you do get into Ito, if you find other people that are into Ito, you do run the risk of them being gigantic edge lords. Just <laughs> be yeah. wary yeah. of gigantic edgelords when getting into Edo. Otherwise, it's amazing. Be wary of gigantic edgelords within the horror community. True. <laughs> also, just in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think that's all we got for this week. Uh, this was a different one, but I think uh, I think it was pretty interesting. Especially if you've never heard of Junji Ito before, you'll you'll have a good time reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Go out and yeah. find go out and find some Edo, and you'll be delightfully surprised. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, of course, we're on social media. I'll start my spiel now. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Podcast of the Dead. Uh, we have Facebook page. Uh, we're on Twitter, at PC of the Dead. We're on Instagram, at PC of the Dead. And we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash PC of the Dead. Give us money. <laughs> yeah, if y'all, yeah, I know. Yeah. Our Patreon is still up. And again, as always... If you want to subject Zach to some truly heinous porn, <laughs> then, <laughs> then donate, please. God, I want to see the look on his face after. Oh God, I just got out of fucking this this, this porno. I'm 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 trying to think. I really want someone to be able to find like a Jinji Ito inspired porn oh. to make you watch. Oh yeah, <laughs> that'll, that'll be the <laughs> rule thirty four. Oh God, just imagine the ghosts <laughs> on my face. Uh, I'm not I'm not looking forward to, but I will do it for money. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's gonna be glorious. Oh man, uh, what else are we on? Actually, um, I, think we, I think we just covered it email, pretty succinctly. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the email podcast yep. of the dead at gmail. So we're always looking to hear from you guys. If y'all ever want us to talk about anything, let us know. We will rant about some nonsense at any point yes. in time. We already have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, you know, we've ranted about fucking fish farts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> keep coming back to fish farts. <laughs> well, we'll do it's thirty memorable. minutes. We'll do thirty minutes on Stephen King's dick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We got, we got to, that's one we need a guest for. We need a guest that <laughs> has seen Stephen King's dick so we can yeah. analyze it in the, in can the greatest possible King? detail. We can, get, we can get pant shots and just figure out an outline maybe. Okay. For... Yeah, I mean, we, you're going to have to do some like displacement and like volume yeah. research, figure out how that's to. That's going to be a scientific one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll can we get Stephen King to talk about his dick? Yeah, I don't want to see it from the source itself. I want him to describe if you give, it. If you give enough to our Patreon, we'll pay for Stephen King to t- uh, come on the show and talk about his dick. 
You'd have to give a lot. I feel. I feel like he's not doing that for anything under a money. million. <laughs> It'll be worth it though. It'd be a one, yeah. once in a lifetime experience. God, and he gets paid by the words. So how many words do you think he's going to have about Oof. his dick? Oof. <laughs> Hopefully, not many. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, his books aren't as long as they used to be because he's not on a shit ton of cocaine. True. That does help. No. <laughs> uh, anyway, we love you. Thank you, everyone. Have a lovely weekend, a lovely day, a lovely month. A lovely year. A lovely life. Yes. Bye. And don't inhale the fish farts. True. Or most things. Don't inhale most things except air. I find inhalation to be a bad thing overall. Okay.